Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 182nd ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recruit, Recruiting from wow. recruiting a new basketball coach. Just started jumping over. right in. Just started over. <laughs> Beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? So you're not starting it over, huh? No. no. Okay. Well, I'm doing great, Cameron. Um, how was your vacation? Both of you. How was yours? How was yours? <laughs> Don't, we can't sit here and act like we haven't already talked a lot about our vacations to each other. I know yours was good. You know mine was good. Well, nobody else knows. Well, I'll tell them. We're not doing this podcast for each other. I, d- <laughs> I show up every week for you and you only. <laughs> We're recording this for you. Uh, my vacation was fantastic. Good. Uh, I have never not wanted a vacation to end as much as I did not want this vacation to end. You know, usually there's a sense of, a little sense of relief, like coming back home. But uh, when you're going from sunny, uh, 70 degree, beautiful desert weather with desert with palm trees weather in Palm Springs, California to like 14 degrees or whatever it was when I got home to Springfield, uh, it makes you want to go back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I left Florida in a t-shirt and shorts, and when I arrived here in Springfield, it was literally 12 degrees, like snow on the ground. Yeah, we parked our car at the airport and had to literally scrape ice off, <laughs> and like the door was frozen shut. Nice. And, and like we had to break into our own car because it was covered in ice when we got home. Well, I think we're almost to springtime, if that makes you feel any better. Today was a beautiful day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And getting beautiful. Or yeah. It's getting even more beautifuler <laughs> as the days go by. I'm ready for winter to be over. Uh, Kyle, you went to Disney World. Yeah, I did. Would you Would you call yourself a Disney adult? <laughs> uh, honestly, like, I don't know. Like, pro- I would have said no before the trip, but I had a surprisingly amazing time at Disney World. So, Disney adult and proud. I'm proud of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess so. I guess I am now. Would you sport a Disney like a little sticker for the back of your car? Uh, Absolutely. Unequivocally not. (laughs) Would I do that? But Uh, not that there's anything wrong with that. If you're listening to this and you have a Disney sticker. (laughs) Absolutely not. Nothing wrong with that at all. But it would go great with the Missouri Sports Podcast sticker right next to it. Yes. MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Yes. I agree. Uh, so you're Disney adult and, um, what was your favorite ride? Uh, actually ride slash experience. I gotta say, uh, there's a new star Wars ride at, Mm -hmm. uh, Hollywood studios. That was fantastic. We waited three hours to get on the ride. It's, I can't even believe that we did that. We really didn't intend to wait that long, but you have to, if you want to get on it. So yeah. Uh, it was, it was, I guess, worth the wait. It was absolutely fantastic. Gotta Did you get that fast pass? We tried. It was literally not available. <laughs> oh, Did you uh, meet any Star Wars characters? Did you meet Chewbacca? No, I didn't, but I saw him. Oh. Nice you, looking fella. too intimidating to go up to. Yeah, just, yeah. There's a language barrier there. It's a <laughs> <Yeah>. little awkward. <laughs> yeah, for sure. All right. Well, uh, Producer Cameron, do you, did you have a good vacation? Yeah, definitely an all-timer. Oh, yeah. Got to hang out with baby all week. Yeah, my baby. Mm-hmm. I hung out with her as well. Good to hear it. She's lovely. 
Um, any more vacation talk? Okay. Uh, it's, it's been a while since we were here last, so sorry for the gap. Uh, we needed to, you know, re uh, recharge our batteries a little bit, a little bit of, uh, rest and relaxation. And now we're back to talk about the beginning of spring football practice. And what are we going to do about Conzo Martin? What are we going to do? Cause we, obviously we all know the ultimate decision lies with us. I wish. And our listeners. So together we are going to come up with a plan of what we need to do. Mm -hmm. We're going to, we're going to try to listen to both sides yeah. of the argument. Yeah, We're going to put gonna... ourselves in this, in the, uh, in the seat. Yeah. In the AD seat. We're going to do some pros, some cons, and we'll see if we can come to a decision by the end of this podcast. Um, before we get into all of that, don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Um, even if you don't watch us on YouTube, it still helps if you could subscribe. Um, if you watch us on YouTube, you could leave us a review on Spotify. Uh, we would appreciate that. Also, you can support the podcast directly through our Patreon page, patreon.com slash Missouri Sports Pod. Um, few little news notes before we talk about spring practice. Actually, I think just one maybe, and then everything else is related to the beginning of practices. Uh, Missouri got a commitment, but then not really from a sophomore in high school named Xavier Atkins. Uh, and poor guy, I, I legitimately feel bad for him because he's literally a sophomore in high school, announced on Twitter he's committing to the Missouri Tigers, but his recruitment was still open and he's going to take visits. And then he said uh, on Twitter again, uh, sorry, actually I'm not committed, but Missouri's my number one team. He still has committed to Missouri in his Twitter bio. And he told some random fan on Twitter, he is not decommitted. He's just exploring all of his options. So to him, I say, welcome aboard. Uh, you got a long process left. Uh, nobody's expecting you to make your decision this early. Yeah. So it's not a big deal. I mean, he could, he could make his decision a year from now and he would still probably most likely be one of the first couple of commits in Missouri's 2024 class if you yeah, were yeah. to wait a entire year so that's how early it is and doesn't really make sense to commit anywhere no matter how in love with a school you are but yeah he, he just probably got caught up in the excitement I wouldn't I can't even imagine the coaches would be asking him to commit you know I feel like that probably happens where coaches are maybe kind of pressuring kids to commit and that kind of stuff i don't i can't even imagine they would have even been doing that to a sophomore in high school at this point yeah i mean uh, it seems to me a situation where you got very excited to get a big time offer and he's obviously very interested in missouri um and just uh got a little excited pulled the trigger early and didn't didn't uh choose his words quite like he maybe wanted to but uh yeah so there's a name for you to keep an eye on like you said, even if he committed this time next year, we would still be saying like, long way to go. Yeah. Good to have him on board, but, uh, a lot can happen between now and signing day and a lot can happen between now and signing day two years from now. Um, I think everything else is spring practice related. Do you have anything else random to talk about before we get into that? So spring practice has officially begun. Um, there's been a lot of 
interviews going around with uh, the, the football team made all of the position coaches available for interviews. And uh, so they were kind of talking about players on an individual position uh, basis. And that was cool to see. Um, I would highly recommend, I'm going to be pulling a few quotes and stuff from an article that Dave Matter wrote for um, the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Um, I would recommend everyone go read that uh, to get caught up on everything the coaches had to say. Uh, th- maybe the most interesting part was hearing from Blake Baker for the first time um, since being named defensive coordinator. He kind of talked about how he came in to coach the safeties and he was working with Steve Wilkes and then he definitely did not come here assuming he would be promoted to defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I thought that was kind of interesting. And he talked about his scheme or the lack of a scheme change coming into this upcoming season. Um, he said the name of the game is continuity. You want to keep it simple for the players. That all sounded good to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually I loved that he talked about um, kind of simplifying the scheme and it's really more about like fundamentals and like the individuals doing their jobs and that kind of stuff. I feel like that's so true. And we saw that happen last year where, you know, I'm sure Steve Wilkes came in with a fantastic scheme and I'm sure there were some very like exotic blitzes they were doing and all this stuff. And, like I'm sure that with the right personnel running a Steve Wilkes scheme, it's probably really good, but it was horrible because the players clearly hadn't mastered it yet. The game was happening way too fast for them to react and they were, you know, thinking while they were playing and all that stuff and it was terrible. And it didn't matter how good the scheme was if the players can't execute. And, uh, yeah, I'm all for the consistency, kind of bringing over what we were doing when things were working and just really focusing on individuals uh, doing their job. Yeah, he said it's not about scheme. It's about individual player development. So, uh, and he said he, assuming they can develop the players like he, I'm paraphrasing, but he said something like assuming they can develop the players like he think they should be able to, he doesn't think there's a talent problem on defense, which. I don't think so. Yeah. Um, he also described his scheme, which he, you know, he made it clear that he's not trying to transition the defense into his scheme. He's basically running it back with the same stuff they ran last year using the same wording, but maybe a little bit simplified. And he called what they are trying to do very user-friendly from a player standpoint. So that sounds great. Yeah, sounds good. Uh, the, I've probably said this before, but the college football season is way too short to take half the season to figure out a scheme you just you gotta be wasting time you gotta be ready at the game one um i pulled a quote uh linebackers coach dj smith was talking about tyron harper uh the quote is he is fast he's smart he is a very coachable kid Uh, sounds like he's kind of impressing in uh, practice so far uh, which is great seeing a transfer come in a position of need um I honestly, I have pretty high hopes for Harper for next season. Yeah, Hopper, I think is probably what you meant by that. Yeah, um, that's it. Guy from Florida, linebacker yeah. from Florida. Yeah, he's he's going to be really good. I wrote Harper in the notes. Yeah, I see that. Uh, wide receiver coach uh, talked about Luther Burden, um, and I'm just going to read this whole section uh, from the article because I thought it was. He had a lot of great things to say about Luther Burden. He said he's extremely coachable and humble. He's a sponge right now. He asks a bunch of questions, tries to come in and get extra time in just so he can get caught up. It's always tough because he should be sitting in algebra class and getting ready for prom right now. 
referring to the fact that he isn't has enrolled early uh, but he's here he's trying to learn a whole new offense and live in a different place away from home for the first time it's a lot on his plate on top of i'm sure the expectations that he set for himself that's a lot for a freshman or not even a freshman a high school senior he's doing a great job with that he's been a great kid to coach by getting here now he'll be light years ahead of everything come september god <laughs> uh you can't ask for a better review at this point from the wide receivers coach about yeah. luther burden than that right there yeah i mean that's so it's almost rare um you know, we see some of these schools like uh, that are just bringing in all kinds of five-star talent every year, uh, Tennessee, and still not finding a way to put it all together because it's probably, you know, it's rare that sometimes that you find these kids that have done anything they've ever wanted on a football field and are still humble and coachable. And, you know, everybody's good in the college level. You can't focus. You can't. Well, some guys maybe can, but most likely you're not going to be able to just uh, go through the motions and still be really good in college fo- football at the highest level without putting in the work and being coachable and humble. And so that's just, that's awesome to hear from Luther Burden. And I, I'm not super surprised. He seems like a great kid and man, just seems like everything's going perfectly so far. Yeah. With his uh, talent, hearing that he has that kind of work ethic, that's very exciting for the future of the uh, Missouri Tiger offense. Um, I guess we'll transition to who's going to be throwing the ball to Luther Burden. And we can, we can sit here for a minute, spend some time on this topic, I think, because it's one that um, Mizzou fans have been talking about quite a bit lately. Um, it was kind of, you know, there was, we knew that Coach Drinkwitz was open to taking a quarterback transfer, um, making you think that and he was open to taking a guy that would compete for the starting job next year so and we know going back to last year he was a little bit hesitant or seemed hesitant to bring out brady cook or tyler macon to replace a struggling connor Bazelak. and there's nothing to make anyone think that he is confident in what he has with cook and macon as the starting quarterback going into next year and that's just been been reinforced by how many transfer quarterbacks he seems to be at least interested in. Right. And so we had um, former Arizona State quarterback Jalen Daniels was actually in Columbia for a visit. He uh, signed scholarship papers, which basically just means the school, if he picks Mizzou, uh, the school is required to offer him a scholarship, basically but he is not required to come to Mizzou just because he signed the scholarship papers. He could sign scholarship papers with every school in the country if he wanted to, and he could still go wherever he wants. Um, He started three seasons at Arizona State, was incredible his true freshman season. He threw for just under 3,000 yards and ran for 1,000 yards. Um, Then COVID season, he only played eight games, I think. Uh, But then last year, his junior year, Uh, He threw for 2,300 yards and ran for 700. Um, One thing that was a big difference from his freshman year to his junior year was the number of interceptions and touchdowns he was responsible for. I think last year he had 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions through the air, and his freshman year it was, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think he was responsible for 20 touchdowns and only threw two interceptions. 
So huge difference. Um, he uh, is transferring away from Arizona State. Nothing is uh, set in stone as far as him coming to Mizzou. It definitely seems like Missouri has a good chance to land him. Um, there was some early reporting, uh, you know, kind of rumor mill type stuff that it was a done deal. But he tweeted out that it's not a done deal. Um, he obviously is pretty mobile, but I think he wants to be coached and viewed as a more of a pocket passer and wants to refine his throwing skills a little bit. But obviously he's pretty mobile. He's rushed for almost 2,000 yards in his uh, college career so far. So what do you think? Uh, what do you think about Mr. Daniels and any other transfer quarterbacks that might come in? And just the starting quarterback position for next year. Yeah, I mean, you make a really good point about the quarterbacks on the current roster. Clearly, like, there's some questioning by co the coaching staff on whether they're going to be ready to, you know, take on full responsibility of being the quarterback that was demonstrated last year. Whenever it was really probably time to try somebody else, they were unwilling. Uh, and um, Brady Cook was okay in the bowl game. And I'm not really sold on either one of those guys going forward. I think they're both talented. Uh, I think Tyler Macon potentially has a high ceiling. But really, the coaching staff has seen those guys play a lot and is still showing that they're wanting to get more competition in the room. So I agree with you. Um, Jalen Daniels, uh, yeah, I mean, he's an electric playmaker. I think he has a lot more experience than anybody else on the roster as far as quarterbacks go. Um, he's probably the height would be come in and be the highest ceiling player. Like if, you know, we're, if all of the quarterbacks on the roster have the best season they can possibly have, I think we're having the best season with Jalen Daniels out of the current guys, um, including Sam Horn. Yeah. Um, you know, his first season, like you said, his freshman year was really, really good. He also had two, uh, NFL caliber wide receivers on his team that he didn't have in later seasons. I think Nikhil Harry and, uh, Brandon Ayuk, I think we're both, yeah uh his wide receivers his freshman year so that's uh that helps that changes things whenever those guys aren't there so you know I, I don't i can't say i know a ton about his situation um on why maybe he declined a little bit other than the wide receiver situation but i still think he you know if missouri was were to land him i think he would be the starter day one yeah i completely agree and uh obviously with cook and macon we're we're only going off of the perception that is put out there by the coaching staff mm -hmm. and more importantly by coach Drinkwitz himself. I mean, we're not in the practices watching what's going on. Um, and their high school film is not going to tell us w exactly what they are going to be able to do in sec competition. And we saw now maybe coach Drinkwitz is misjudging the situation. And maybe he should be more committed to one of them as the starter. Maybe, but we saw him be incredibly conservative with Cook when he came in for injured Bazelak earlier in the season. And when Cook and Macon split time a little bit, super conservative offensive game plan that's like not sustainable mm -hmm. for winning games um, over the course of a full season. And the bowl game. You know, it seemed like he kind of let uh, Brady Cook do his thing a little bit more. Let Brady Cook. You could say that. Um, a little bit more. Has a ring to it, yeah. Uh, but 
I don't I don't think uh, I think as a fan you could watch that game and say I don't know that there was anything there to make you think okay this is guys our starter moving no. forward yeah I agree that's not to say I wouldn't love to see either one of Cook or Macon you know sure. prove that they can be the starter and run away with the job and have a incredibly successful Mizzou career obviously everybody would love that that would mean they probably win a lot of games mm-hmm. and but I don't think that coach Drinkwitz ever intended for either of those guys to be the long-term solution at the quarterback position I don't think I think he intended for Bazelak to finish his career in Missouri Tiger and then Sam Horn to take over from there yeah and so it kind of makes sense that he would be looking for a transfer with experience who can come in, play right away, and not impede Sam Horn's ability to take over the job down the road. Let's say Missouri doesn't land Jalen Daniels. Do you think there's still do you, do you think they still look to add a transfer, or do they just really like Daniels? Do you think? I think they still try to add a transfer, and. Um, there's going to be a point where the transfer pool, the pool of transfer quarterbacks is, you're not going to be able to find a guy that's going to be a game changer, a season changing guy Mm -hmm. to come in and be the starter next year. Jalen Daniels, not related to JT Daniels, who is also out there. Also not related to Chase Daniel. Thank you. I was wondering about that. Some people call him Chase Daniels. Yeah, I knew that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for clearing that up. Um... JT Daniels is still out there technically. I don't know what he's doing, but he's like, out there. Taking classes at Georgia, I guess. Really? I don't know. Is he still I guess he's still in school there? I guess. I think he said he was just gonna chill at Georgia till spring and then It's a cool place to hang out, I heard. I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I mean the reporters and stuff when they go cover the team in Athens seem to have a really good time. Uh they do. They say Athens really? is a great city. Yeah. You're kidding me. No, I'm not. Oh, okay. They cool. say they like going there. <clears throat> Mizzou fans who've traveled there, they say they really like it. Um, <laughs> what were we talking about? Quarterbacks. Yeah, I interrupted you. Uh, JT Daniels is still out there. That seems kind of like a long shot, but I'm sure the coaching staff would love to wait around and see what he wants to do. Yeah. I think the Missouri coaching staff would take a transfer quarterback. And then if JT Daniels wanted to come down the road, they would say, yep, come on down. Really? I think so. Who would you rather have out of the Daniels uh, brothers? (laughs) I would take whichever one wants to come to, to Missouri. Uh, I, uh, I would rather have JT Daniels probably. Yeah. What do you, what about you? Uh, yeah, I honestly, I think they're pretty close. I think, okay. but I'd probably go with JT. I agree. And the Georgia fans wanted JT Daniels to take over the starting job last year on their national championship winning team. Right. Like halfway through the season. Yeah. But Jalen Daniels is still, I mean, really very mobile. Yeah. Huge arm. Yeah. Like, I mean, he's a incredibly talented. I think he yeah. was like the, he was like top 40 quarter or top 40 player uh, coming out of high school yeah. and the number two dual threat quarterback yeah. in his class. So like a high four star yeah um do you think i mean i i've said before how lucky mizzou fans are that we've had such incredible continuity at the quarterback position where it's like just like step by step 
we've just been handing the starting quarterback position to the next guy that's like almost set in stone barely have had a quarterback competition um do you feel like uh, basically what i want to know is how many seasons do you think the coaching staff accepts expects sam horn to be the starter like are, are they would they be okay with letting sam horn not start in favor of a brady cook for like multiple seasons uh no i don't i don't think uh i would say maybe tyler macon not brady cook hmm. and a transfer quarterback yes i think they would let i think sam horn would sit behind those entities gotcha uh as a true freshman not an early enrollee i think he's going to be sitting behind any of them probably yeah but i agree i don't know i I think they would love for sam horn to win the job maybe his freshman or sophomore year not the redshirt year yeah but his second or third year in the program yeah yeah that makes sense to me it's just a you know it's just a shame i i just hate thinking about the way the eligibility is overlapping on some of these guys yeah and just seems like a lot of years left for several of them yeah it just seems like it's no matter what happens it's not going to end well yeah for i mean all three of those guys. i just yeah exactly and i don't really think they're thinking about it that much i think they're just thinking uh get in here and do your best and if you don't win the job then tough cookies and yeah. you know i i you know rankings don't matter once you get to campus right and you i mean potential and all that none of that changes but but i mean your recruiting rankings they don't matter anymore and you got to go out and and beat somebody and if san horn is not doing that then somebody else is gonna play yeah i agree it's a long long way to go before we figure out before the dust settles on the yeah, quarterback I mean, we're, situation we're gonna be talking about this for a long time really but and it seems like even maybe this year may not even be fully resolved this issue long term but yeah. uh okay what do you think about um the East St. Louis situation with Tyler Macon maybe potentially never really playing here. I'm not too worried about that. Um, I can understand the concern about, you know, East St. Louis, Illinois being a very important place to have a solid recruiting relationship with, Mm -hmm. but we just pulled, uh, Luther burden out of there. Yeah. And, um, there's other players that are there now that are interested in Missouri I don't think it's the end of the world if uh, Tyler Macon doesn't finish his college career at Missouri. Um, I think, honestly, the most likely situation is that it's incredibly likely that one of Macon or Cook do not finish their uh, career at Missouri. Yeah, I think it's impossible that they both do. Right. So we need to be ready for that and... um, I don't think it's the end of the world if it is making that doesn't if it's making that transfers away i don't think that crushes recruiting in east st louis by any means yeah um, yeah I, I mean you never know what has been said behind closed doors about promises and you yeah. know in the, in the recruiting game and that kind of stuff but yeah i think i'm there i'm i'm there with you i mean you can't just play a player that you feel like it does not give you the best chance to win just to maintain a recruiting relationship and yeah. if you have to i guess if you have to burn a bridge with uh, a connection because they're gonna be upset about it that you didn't play their player when they weren't the best guy to play i don't yeah. know i guess you just 
Yeah, I guess you just burn the bridge. I don't know. Yeah, and it office, it uh, also depends somewhat on the specific personalities that you're dealing with. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know nothing about Tyler Macon's personality. Yeah. Um, if he is it, it, with any player, if there's a chance that you part ways and there's not a bridge burned. Right. Um, so we, we'll just have to hope for the best with whatever situation unfolds there, but... I don't know. Being a football coach is tough. Yeah, I, I, as a fan, I hate the uncertainty with it being such a, obviously, the most important position yeah. on the field. Um, not knowing who's going to be leading that position group and leading the offense. I don't know. It's unnerving. It's not, it's not a fun uh, situation to have on your football team. But it makes for, uh, it makes for good talking. And, Sports are uh, fun. Th- are supposed to be fun, dude. Yeah. Well. You need to relax. Okay. Not just kidding. No, <laughs> I'm taking that seriously. From this moment on, I'm relaxing on the Mizzou quarterback situation. I told you to relax about Luther Burden, and it, it worked out, right? That is true. Remember, what was that situation? Like a few months, but like when he was saying stuff last oh, summer. Oh, yeah. I was like, you were like getting if he doesn't come it. to Missouri, I'll be crushed. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, just don't worry, man. He will. That worked perfectly. It worked out. Okay. Quarterback situation is going to work yeah, out. It's going to work out just fine. Yeah. Somebody will play. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about just them having a quarterback on the field oh okay um anything else football related before we move on to basketball we've got a kind of a big basketball topic to yeah to dig into here yeah i think that's it okay well here we go we're putting on our athletic director hats and we have to figure out what to do about the what's it family the What's It Family head basketball coach, Conzo Martin. <laughs> Some rich family, Conzo Martin. Yes. <laughs> uh, so when, since we last spoke, uh, Missouri lost to Mississippi State twice and Tennessee and LSU. Yeah, this has been like the worst stretch of the season. It's been a bad season. Yeah. And, but, you know, there, there's been some like competitive losses and that kind of stuff. But like the last couple of weeks are have just been hopeless awful no about no offense no heart yeah basketball no point guard yeah <laughs> um let's see the home game against mississippi state was close they probably should have won that game yeah uh the rest of the games were not very close um they got the first half against lsu was close and they just got absolutely destroyed in the second half uh tennessee game tennessee just pulled away uh, and didn't look back. And we only have two games left in the season against South Carolina on the road and a home game against Georgia to close out the season. Yeah. I kind of feel like neither one of those games really matter in the yeah. grand scheme of things. At this point, we're kind of just like waiting for the season to end so we right. can like see what happens. But yeah, I mean, not uh, what I, th- I feel like uh, whatever's going to happen will not change depending on what happens in the last two games. I mean, if you win, you're supposed to win probably. If you lose, then it just probably makes your decision easier. Yeah, I agree. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on specifically about the LSU game was the very end. Uh, the LSU player like got a three-pointer off before the buzzer went off. I don't know if he meant to do that exactly, but his body just did it he couldn't control it well i don't know i think maybe it's possible i could see him like trying to time it to where it didn't count yeah just for funsies but it counted he made a three at the buzzer 
and will wade was like walking towards konzo being like ah sorry uh uh and his little goofy self yeah like oh i didn't like uh i'll like he wasn't supposed to do that yeah and konzo just kind of walked right by him oh yeah like very like emotionless handshake just yeah blitzed right he by was him. ready to get out of there and uh i wish i could have seen his handshake with penton <laughs> yeah i wish i could have seen that interaction from the other side and see konzo's face yeah when he's walking by well yeah i mean that was uh, legitimately that was a strange situation and and in the post game he was frustrated yeah and uh you know i kind of feel like one of my complaints with Konzo this season, really in his in his time at Mizzou, is like they'll lose like a game, and he's just like, "Well, you know, they did a lot of they did a lot of good things, and they're they're a good group of guys, and like, you know, that kind of stuff." And you know, I I want to actually like see him like pissed off about a, a loss or something. Like, I actually want to see him really show show some frustration sometimes. You know, we want to see him get a technical foul or something sometimes. You know, we don't see him fired up, but you know, I feel like this is the first time he just looked like yeah he was just done yeah um trying to kind of interpret his body language is very difficult because he doesn't really show what he's thinking a lot and he won't it doesn't seem like he always tells you you know what's going on in his head Mm -hmm. um which i can understand um he's trying to be professional i think he a lot of time is trying not to throw his players under the bus but I don't know. He he has done that from time to time on specific individuals, but when it's like the whole group not performing, then what is he supposed to say? And the other thing is, I feel like if he was trying to be gr- critical, then it doesn't take very long when like examining the faults of this Missouri basketball team. It doesn't take very long to get to roster construction as like the main issue behind this team's performance and obviously there's only one person that's responsible for that and that is Konzo and I think that is my first point in saying that Missouri should move on from Konzo Martin and um, as we make this argument I don't know how you want to do this but it's important to keep in mind Konzo's contract Mm -hmm. is kind of insane and uh, because of some of the wording and the dates and stuff. We've talked about that previously on other episodes, but uh, if they do move on from Konzo, it is most likely going to be a mutual parting of ways because they technically can't fire him till after May 1st. And if you actually waited that long, then there would be zero coaches left to hire. Mm-hmm. So if they're going to move on, then they're going to be making a decision internally, like they right may now. have already done it yeah. or any day now. Mm-hmm. And then publicly as early as the day Missouri is eliminated from the right. SEC tournament. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think that's exactly when to look for a, a decision, a publicly announced decision is the day after Missouri is, is loses in the SEC tournament. And they will, I believe they will publicly announce that he's returning if that's the case. I agree. They're not just going to be silent. Right, because it, people are genuinely wondering, like his seat is scorching hot. So yeah. either way, they're going to have to announce it. And in the next week, we are going to start to hear reports that sources are saying he's likely to return or they're likely to move on Mm -hmm. um nothing will be official until we hear it from the university Mm -hmm. but uh my opinion is there should be a mutual parting of ways and it should be announced 
when Missouri is eliminated from the NCAA tournament or from the, <laughs> if only, if only, <laughs> uh, when Missouri is eliminated from the <laughs> SEC tournament. And my first argument for that stance is the roster construction of this year's team and how it ever got to this point and how Conzo and company ever thought that this squad was what they wanted to roll with coming out of the off season. Right. Yeah. 100%. Um, it's like a roster full of like mid major players that are not athletically gifted. They don't shoot well. They don't handle the ball. Well, they don't play defense well. And, um, a lot of them are like undersized and can't, you know, they were able to maybe take advantage of players at a lower level, but they could never do it consistently at this level. Um, yeah, and I feel like uh, maybe my first point, just kind of rolling in with this, is Conzo's lack of evaluation. Like, I, I can't trust Conzo's evaluation of players. And it kind of goes along with what you said, because we rolled into this year with no point guard. We thought, like, he was asked about this publicly recently, and he basically just said, like, well, we thought Anton was going to be able to maybe handle the ball a little bit. We thought Boogie was going to handle the ball a little bit. We thought Caleb Brown might... Kobe, Kobe. Yeah. like none of these players can or should be playing point guard for the Missouri Tigers. Right. And Kobe is obviously capable, but he is well, way better suited in other ways. Yeah. We've and seen, he's being stretched too thin right. already. And Anton has looks like a you know deer in the headlights out yeah. there. He's not ready and probably won't be next year. Right. And Boogie Coleman's just not, he can't handle the ball well enough. He's not fast enough to yeah. get around defenders, All the, you know, all that what were you thinking coming into the season like confidently before the season started talking about how we were going to be more athletic and shoot and like knowing we didn't have a point guard that's terrifying well the team is 139th on Kempom in defense defensive efficiency so maybe they just weren't good defenders in practice so the ball handlers looked pretty good maybe i'm kind of joking there but uh if that's what he was basing off of in the preseason, then uh, maybe, I don't know. You'd think, though, oh, man, I don't know. And and part of the roster construction of this team this year is all the departures last year. Mm-hmm. And there's a case to be made that if you just ran it back this year with all the players that left last year, we would probably be three to five wins better and maybe you know obviously fighting to not play in the first day of the sec tournament maybe looking at a ncaa bubble situation but we're so far off the bubble yeah as it currently stands that it's hard to imagine even running it back right would be on a a, would be a bubble team yeah i mean there's a lot of speculation that goes into the xavier penson situation and so i don't want to go too deep into that i guess but i mean think about what a player like Xavier Pinson would do for this team. And, you know, the, this team doesn't shoot well even when they're open, so I'm not sure that anything changes too drastically. But they're cl- so clearly so desperate for somebody that can just penetrate in the lane and um, drive and, and distribute the ball around and everything. And why was Pinson not treated better when he was here? Like, why yeah. was he not getting the playing time he deserved? There's an aspect of just from the coaching staff, you have to be able to make it work. Right. When you have a talented guy 
like part of your job is making it work. And I just can't imagine that Pinson wanted out so badly that they, that there was nothing they could do. You know, at some point that relationship soured and it's probably not even worth trying to figure all that out, but it just seemed like coach is stubborn and he just wasn't going to give an inch in that situation. Yeah. It it sounded like you had two stubborn people. Yeah. (laughs) One Xavier Pinson, one Conzo Martin. And obviously what Conzo says goes when he's the head basketball coach. So yeah. And this is what we get a point guardless roster. Okay. So let me ask you this, run it back with, uh, Mark Smith and, um, uh, Parker Brown, who is having a good season at uh, top 80 team Santa Clara this year. Santa Clara would be Missouri on a neutral court. Yes. Um, run it back with them. R- bring back Torrance Watson. I don't care. He's playing pretty poorly at Elon. He would not contribute very much. And then let your point guard be Drew Bugs. Is this team better? Is that team better than this one? Better, yeah. I'm I'm not sure they're making the tournament or anything, but no. they're better. They're no. definitely better than what we have, yeah. Uh, so I just don't I can't wrap my head around those departures and then the lack of a reload, you know? Mm-hmm. And it does all come down to one position, I think, the point guard position because there's no telling how much better this team would be. There would at least be maybe some kind of hope for the future it would not be so cut and dry in my mind that they need to move on from martin if uh if they had a capable point guard this season yeah it just kind of feels like um he's very he just really wants the positionless basketball style of play but that style of play is so brutally awful to watch when there's not good ball movement not good shooting and so we kind of just don't have a point guard we kind of don't really have like a reliable post presence uh it's just like kind of a bunch of like six eight dudes that can't really do anything and what's worse is coleman has shown he's a capable spot-up shooter Mm -hmm. but he's been tasked with creating in this offense and when he should be playing off the ball and you you mentioned the lack of athleticism that was evident last year and obviously is still around this year um, we just don't have guys driving and slashing and, you know, we've talked about the the point guard issues over and over again this year, but that is a factor that I think goes into this decision. Just like how you got to this point mm-hmm. roster wise yeah. is a huge part of the problem. And um, that goes into recruiting. Um, I mean, we could sit here the list is insanely long of the recruiting misses and just the completely incorrect scouting yeah that has happened i mean i think i'm just like running them through my brain right now but i think easily the most egregious mistake in recruiting was the lack of recruiting isaiah mosley literally he's in columbia and from remembering back to when his recruiting his recruitment was active he acted like he wanted to go to mizzou like he didn't seem like he obviously he didn't want to go too far away because he only ended up in springfield and he is uh potentially the best player 
probably the best player in the Missouri Valley Conference as a junior um, and has the Missouri State Bears, the number two team in their league, with a decent chance of winning their conference tournament and going to the NCAA tournament. Yeah, he's legitimately one of the best pure scorers in college basketball and is basically would provide exactly what Missouri needs. Yeah, and he can create on his own. He can hit. He's shooting like 43% from three yeah, on a ton of attempts. A big guard, too. He's like 6'6". Six, yeah. six. And uh, if there's no reason to not take a even okay at this point in Mosley's career, it's like weird to think about taking a flyer on him mm-hmm. because he's right. legitimately great. But at that time, it would have been kind of seen as taking a flyer on yeah, local it was kid on the fence. It was a little bit under recruited um, for whatever reason. The coaching staff didn't love him, but there's no reason to not just give him a scholarship and, and bring him on. Take a flyer on Christian Guess instead. Exactly. Yeah. And how many Christian guests, Ed Chang, uh, Axel Okongo, Jordan Wilmore, how many scholarships are we going to give out to players who contribute zero and miss out on a guy like Isaiah Mosley? Or honestly, give me all three of Isaiah Mosley, Jamonta Black, and uh, Dewan Harris. Yeah. Like, there's no Throw reason. all three of those guys in your backyard. No reason for them to leave Columbia. Unless they like specifically wanted to, you know, go far away for college. Some mm-hmm. guys want to do that, and that's understandable. But two of them are in Springfield, Missouri. One of them's in Lawrence, Kansas. Yeah, they didn't want to go very far. Right. I just got fired up on that topic. Oh, yeah, you're mad. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm, right, I'm, with, I'm with you though. I mean, think about all of the recruiting misses. Like, what are we doing here? Like, EJ, uh, Caleb Love. Uh, Cam Fletcher twice. Cam Fletcher twice. Uh, I mean, and you think about... There's kids going to uh, St. Louis. Yeah. That. Oh, yeah. St. Louis is a solid team. Yeah. They're a top 60 team in Kim Palm. Yeah. They've got players that could be starting for the Missouri Tigers. Yeah. Between... And then you have, like, uh, obviously... Um, uh, by all accounts, Christian Brown was never coming to Missouri. Um, he seems to have been a Kansas fan with his dad right. going back years. So that is fine. But Courtney Ramey, <laughs> Courtney Ramey's another one. Uh, Agbaji. Yeah. Like, Oh God. Yeah. What was that? I, it makes no sense. Right in your backyard. And literally, um, he was interviewed about Missouri's interest in him out of high school and he said they already had a guy that kind of fit my profile his name is Torrance Watson so yeah i, I mean, mean that's like kim anderson stuff yeah that's like kim anderson not recruiting uh um what's his name indiana guy yeah i don't know, can't think of his name um, on top of my head <laughs> i'm just going to say agbaji again uh that's not his name uh that's taking Kevin Perrier over him. He goes to Indiana, ends up being a first round NBA draft pick and Missouri didn't recruit him because, you know, there was positional overlap between him and Kevin Perrier and they had him graded out about the same. Like you, that was like, yeah. How do you perfectly make the wrong decision on so many cases? OG, uh, OG Anubi, by the yeah, way, yeah. or whatever you said his name. Yeah. Yeah. And that was like, we look back on that and we're like, well, you know, it, we liked having Kevin Perrier, 
you know? Right. He did a lot of good things for Missouri. He was miscast as like a go-to guy for three seasons and had to carry the load offensively and then finally had a much better situation his senior year. But his senior year, he probably was not even slated to be starting games, honestly. He was probably going to be like the sixth man or seventh man if uh, you have a healthy Michael Porter Jr. all season. Mm -hmm. So that's – and we like look back on that as like, wow, obviously Kim Anderson way – in over his head if he was like messing up that scout and literally we have Konzo doing the exact same thing yeah with Torrance Watson and Agbaji on a smaller scale uh I feel like um directly they had to pick between Jordan Wilmore and Davian Bradford who went on to play at Kansas State and he's been pretty decent there I think he started for them at least his freshman year he was starting for them uh light years beyond what we've gotten from Jordan Wilmore and I kind of feel like they're like uh, their if player evaluation is like, is the player tall? Yeah. Yes. Okay, we want him. Right. And I don't know. It's just they have gotten so many things wrong in their player evaluations, and it just it shows. And what's so ironic about this whole situation about hiring Conzo Martin from the very beginning was, well, at least we're going to recruit well. Um, but that's literally been the polar opposite. And not only have we not recruited well, but they just don't, I mean, there's no hype with recruiting at all. I mean, I don't know who they're looking at. I don't know who they're interested in. I don't know who they're watching. I don't know anything about their recruiting because they do it in silence or they don't do it at all. Yeah. The contrast between the basketball team and the football team in like recruiting hype. Yes. Night and day. Get your, get your fans excited about what you're doing. Like show us some hope for the future. Like, I remember whenever I was younger, you know, back in the, you know, maybe Frank Haith era or, you know, whatever, I was watching high school basketball tapes of guys constantly yep. of like players I thought Missouri, you know, was in on or, or whatever. I don't do that at all anymore. Because you just don't know. I just it's literally not, do not know who they're yeah. recruiting. It's not worth like trying to figure out because obviously there's so many kids that they could be going after. Yeah. And we and, know we'll just end up with some guy we've never heard of anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And... <laughs> I mean, I uh, people have talked about like the transfers this year um, being lackluster, and I don't even fault Conzo for that that much. Like the transfers he brought in, yeah, they have their almost every one of them has like a glaring weakness, but they have played well at times. Each one of them, and they all have uh, uh, at least another year of eligibility where they could improve. And Konzo did a good job with getting um, a lot out of transfers, Jordan Barnett and Cassius Robertson, um, Mark Smith, getting him from Illinois. I don't think the transfer portal stuff has been as detrimental as the high school recruiting. I mean, I think it's the high school recruiting is where it's gone downhill. Mm -hmm. And like, um, it's unfortunate that finally we're getting a top 100 guy in Aiden Shaw and I mean everybody thinks Missouri should move on from Conzo and we just kind of have to hope that uh, Shaw at least will wait around and see who the new coach is going to be right I mean it almost seems like Conzo has a disconnect with the younger player um, because of just his personality and uh, you know, I th- it seems like he pr- almost prefers to recruit in the transfer market because those guys are a little older, maybe a little more mature. Yeah. Because it seems like he really struggles to connect with the younger players. And 
he's not getting them like excited or anything like that. I mean, look at Eric Musselman. He's like, I mean, I wouldn't expect your, your coach to be Eric Musselman. He's like, you know, he's the polar opposite, but uh, he is a great recruiter. He's a dynamite recruiter and guys want to play for a high energy guy, a high energy guy like that. And there, there seems to be something about the young players, the high school recruits, when they come to Missouri, it's like they don't see a path, you know, like, uh, Mario McKinney, um, Trey Jackson is a great example. Um, for some reason, like obviously Kobe Brown and Javon Pickett and even Torrance Watson to an extent, like they all three had every opportunity to show what they had and they were getting lots of minutes early and obviously not everybody can get that, but you know, not every team is having you know half of their freshman class transfer every season not every team is bringing in a top 100 guy like trey jackson and then immediately they're moving on and it's not like yeah bringing in a high high ranked guy and then not playing him very much yeah and it's not even like every team is playing all of their freshmen 30 minutes a game like that's not realistic but maybe i'm in a little bit too much of a bubble and every team is having these transfer issues to some extent but Trey Jackson showed he could contribute as a freshman and transferred to Seton Hall and has been quite good there. And Seton Hall, again, like a top 60 team. Better team. So it's not like that is a difference between this, uh, the Conzo Martin era and the Cam Anderson era is Cam Anderson was losing guys and they were having to go to Juco and, um, you know, more similar to Mario McKinney's situation of not exactly uh, being a hot commodity once he decided to transfer. That was the norm under Kim Anderson. And the norm under Conzo has been players are transferring and going to better situations. Man, uh, are we supposed to like make the case for keeping him at some point? Well, I got a lot more to say about not keeping him, so I guess we'll decide when we get there. Okay, what do you got next? Um, okay, one one interesting thing is how have we had the exact same coaching staff since Conzo Martin got to Missouri? When clearly, like, this is not the first year that didn't go very well. Uh, you know, obviously his first season, actually probably best case scenario, minus Michael Porter Jr., whenever he went right. down, the team... I would say overperformed what I would have expected for them to do. Uh, But then, you know, it just kind of was like the cupboard was bare though. After some of those guys started moving on and graduating and whatnot. I mean, our hero was like Jordan Geist, one of our seasons, you know? And uh, I feel like uh, maybe Drew Smith's first year, uh, we were pretty bad. And that was like a frustrating season. I should have mentioned Drew Smith as in the uh, transfer successes, obviously Drew Smith. Yeah everything we could have hoped for yeah yeah i mean yeah, yeah i mean there really have there have been some good transfers none of them really this year worked have worked out yeah. as well as some in the past but um yeah i mean this is not the first year that there have been concerns with offensive production and yet nothing has changed and so i just i don't know like is Conzo just kind of buddy buddy with these guys and doesn't want to fire him or like try something different or you know who's calling who's calling the shots here he hadn't worked with any of them I mean, the two main assistants, he hadn't worked with them anywhere else. Yeah, I just, it's so bizarre that they have been here for the full five-year um, experience. Yeah, and the 
um, offense, you know, trying to run a point forward. We've talked about that on the podcast before, how that hasn't worked and how uh, that offense was basically tailor built for Michael Porter Jr. And um, even Jonte, to some extent, they were going to be the perfect players for that kind of NBA style point forward. Uh, You know, you see it every single game. You see Kobe Brown at the top of the key with the ball trying to make a play. We saw Kevin Perrier do it. We saw Jonte do it. And um, you would think even take away, like actually changing up the coaching staff, you'd think at some point they would try to adapt the offense to the personnel and not try to force the personnel into an offensive system that they're not uh, equipped for. They yeah. did. Uh, uh, Michael Porter Sr. Uh, was an assistant and yeah, is no longer. That's true. Yeah, very little adapting or changing, seems yeah. like. Um, what else you got? I was going to mention uh, something we kind of talked about before we started recording was like the, um, the highs and lows mm-hmm. uh, over the years and how it is kind of staggering that the low being right now is you just say it it's kim anderson yep. level yep it is i mean you can say it it is we are sitting at 10 wins we are <laughs> i i'm immediately looking okay we actually have already have one more conference win than kim anderson ever had oh one more great yeah yeah well we have 10 wins on the season one of those was paul quinn yeah freaking college uh, so really, we have nine wins on the season, and I don't know that we're guaranteed to beat anybody else the rest of the season. And I would fully say this is Cam Anderson bad. So this is a very low low. We'll just put it that way. Yeah. And to your point, um, if if uh, if Cam Anderson had this season as one of his three seasons, it would not change how we look at the Cam Anderson era. That's a good way to put it nothing would have changed yeah we would have said yeah if this was his third and final year yeah we would have still fired him so fast yes and it would have been the right move 10 out of 10 times yeah and uh yeah so but looking at Conzo's five years here this really is the lowest point this year has been really low and I I would say two or three seasons ago was pretty low pretty mediocre um so, so there's been some pretty low lows but the highs have also been pretty low like his best season we were a first round exit in the ncaa tournament we did that twice we were a what an eight seed the first time we went and a nine seed the second time and both times we were we were gone yeah it's it's actually like uncanny how the teams under Conzo have like peaked even the the good teams have peaked at like the most inopportune time right and um it's just kind of like both of those teams i, I like uh you mentioned the first team uh jonte cashett robertson jordan barnett uh they peaked with the win over kentucky mm-hmm. i think missouri had never beaten kentucky before that and that was a huge win and then it was like, you know, we've talked about, it was a completely different team yeah. for that. Uh, 
SEC tournament and then yeah. one NCAA tournament MPJ game. MPJ came back. Colin Van Leer got hurt. Yes. Which seems weird that like our season could be blamed on yeah. Colin getting hurt, but I really do think he played an important role. Jordan Barnett didn't play. That's right. That was the big one. Was he yeah. had like a DUI or something yeah. and didn't play. Yeah, right before the, the NCAA postseason. tournament. Yeah. So obviously they were not peaking come NCAA tournament time or right. SEC tournament time. Right. Like they should yeah, have they lot had a first round exit to Georgia. Yeah. They should have honestly had a they they should have had a better than a nine seed, even like in reality, but they should have had better than a nine seed because they should have beaten Georgia in the SEC tournament and then right. actually made some noise there. Like right. there's no reason they they couldn't have, you know, improved their tournament situation there. And then last year, again, NCAA tournament team, but they peak with the halfway through the year. With the win over Alabama. And then just the, we're in a free fall after yeah. that. We got up to number ten in the country. Yeah which sounds insane that we were number 10 in the country last season, and like the, a and, year ago. And the selection committee did their little like tournament preview. Yeah. And, and Missouri we was a four, four seed. seed. And then after that, nothing good happened. And we just spiraled and just kind of went out with a whimper. And it was just the weirdest thing. And so I feel like Conzo's entire career, even his best teams have been like double digit lost teams like he's so very seldomly has a team that loses less than 10 games in a season i think he's it's only happened like one or two times in his career Mm. he's made one sweet 16 in at when he was at tennessee uh when that team wasn't even all that great they They actually kind of got hot at the right time at the right time yeah but got the most out of those guys but he had a great team at cal that was a four seed and they lost in the first round yeah yeah he had uh two pros uh ivan rab and uh Jalen Jalen Brown yeah on that Cal team and they first round loss yeah his entire career has just been kind of mediocre his the lows are lows and the highs are not very high and I don't really see that changing at this point at least not at Missouri um I wanted to get a little bit analytical on you real quick oh I would love that uh kinpalm.com heard of that highly recommend it we use it all the time on this podcast i'm giving you guys i'm giving you guys paywalled information right now don't go tell kin all right <laughs> don't. What is it like two dollars a year it is twenty dollars a year okay very worth it i recommend everyone go subscribe to Kim Palm. okay totally worth it they have this section uh where it talks about single game records going back to 2002 okay and obviously we're not talking about like most points actually it does talk about points but we're talking about things like offensive efficiency effective field goal percentage turnover percentage stuff like that and it shows the 10 best performances in that category since 2002 and the 10 worst performances in that category since 2002 and um if you look at missouri's page there there are some games listed and highlighted in yellow that means they happened this season, okay? Missouri had the worst offensive efficiency rating since Kim Palm has been around this year. The very worst one uh, was the game on the road against Arkansas. Uh, the tenth worst offensive efficiency that was against Liberty. No, no, no. I, I, this is just oh, okay, for comparison's okay. sake. Uh, <laughs> it was a game in 2015 under uh, uh, against Mississippi State. Offensive efficiency was 72.2. That's 10th worst. In, Ever? Yeah, okay. for Missouri. Oh, okay. 
the one against Arkansas, 59.3. Wow. Uh, effective field goal percentage. This is an offensive statistic. The fifth worst ever was that same Arkansas game. The seventh worst ever for Missouri, the Liberty game. The seventh worst turnover percentage game, the Arkansas game. <laughs> the worst free throw rate, sixth worst, was this year's Alabama game. The ninth and tenth worst three-point shooting games this year against Wichita State and Eastern Illinois. The worst defensive effective field goal percentage this year, sorry, the fourth worst this year against Florida State. The second worst defensive efficiency this year against Kansas. The second worst offensive rebounding performance this year against Alabama. It goes on and on. There's more. Just breaking records for awful performances. Yeah. If you sort the page by conference-only games, it actually gets worse. Obviously, the Arkansas game, one of the worst conference games Missouri has played in since 2002. Yeah, I mean, what is what has happened with those games where, I mean, it looks like we're playing against an NBA team or something. Like, how do we have these games where we just spiral so bad and just can't do anything right? and start off a game losing like 35 to 5 uh, you know against liberty or something like that you know like I, this is just awful the fact that schools of that caliber are in the 10 worst all time performance wise like that is the bonkers. the advanced metrics have kind of hated the Missouri Tigers since the day Cam Anderson took the head coaching job. Me too. But um, <laughs> uh, if you look at the Kempom overall rating uh, for Missouri, it is still kind of insane. The Cam Anderson era is still insane. Uh, la Frank Hayes last year, they were 69th. Uh, barely missed out on NCAA tournament appearance. Then under Cam Anderson, it was 192, 159, and 156. Conzo's first year, 40th. Much better. NCAA tournament team. 68th, 97th, 47th NCAA tournament team. This year, 144. Yeah. Yeah, you just shouldn't be going down every year like that. Especially like year five is by far the worst. I don't know. It's just kind of random. Here's a little nugget for you. Uh, it kind of shows how bad we've been this year in, like, meaningful games especially. Uh, in the four rivalry games we've played against Illinois, Kansas, and then two games versus Arkansas this year, we have lost, Missouri has lost, a by a combined 125 points in those four games. That's pretty bad. I mean, think about it. All four games we played against our rivals this year, all four of them were absolutely awful games that we are losing by 25 30 points plus yeah yeah um teams have had to legitimately have had to play 
like I would say outside of the Ole Miss games and the Utah game, teams have basically had to play their worst game of the season for Missouri to get a win. And that's Alabama, Texas A&M, SMU. Yeah, I mean, we have 10 wins, and I, it doesn't even feel like we should have 10 wins. It feels like we should have less. Like, we've gotten lucky to beat some a couple of the teams that we did. And I would, and we have gotten unlucky, like the Auburn game, obviously, is a huge one. But that's – Auburn has been pretty up and down, and they had a few scares before finally losing to Arkansas. So as cool as it was to bring them, like, down to the wire, looking back on it, that's not quite as impressive. Um, obviously, if they pulled out the win, then that would be a huge win still. But Auburn played their worst game of the season, yeah. potentially. Yeah. And Missouri wasn't able to finish the job. Yeah. Um, we still we still got a lot to talk about, honestly. But I want to throw something in here because I'm looking at Missouri's program history on Kempom. And I'm looking at a wonderful stretch where Mike Anderson's last three seasons and Frank Haith's first, first two seasons we went to the NCAA tournament every single time. And Conzo Martin has led the Missouri Tigers to the NCAA tournament twice in five seasons. Obviously, they're not going this year, so we can count that as a season. They're not going two out of five years. They're in the NCAA tournament. And if I'm being charitable, there was injury issues, obviously. We've talked about the injury issues. Right. And let's just flip that peaking uh, argument. Let's just pull a 180 on it and say, man, if these teams could have peaked in March instead of February, then, you know, this yeah. is the type of team that could knock off a couple teams and make a little bit of a run to mm -hmm. like a sweet 16. Mm -hmm. um, there was just bad luck that they peaked at the wrong time, both of those seasons. Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you are trying to make the argument that uh, I mean, I don't even know that you could say that this is an argument that he should stay. But, yeah, if you want to be charitable, yeah, you can say those first couple of years were pretty good, all things considered, with what happened. The drama behind the scenes, losing the player that you thought you were building everything around. Twice. Yeah. Yeah, both literally back-to-back -back seasons. Yeah. And still managing to have good years. Yeah. Uh, and to I, bounce back from, you know, to bounce back from losing Jonte to being in the NCAA tournament two years later, mm -hmm. that's commendable. Yeah. And, you know, I feel like maybe he was a little bit uh, early on the transfer trend, uh, really finding meaningful pieces at lower levels and they and then them working out. I feel like Conza was actually a little bit early. You know, everybody does that now. But five years ago, five seasons ago, that wasn't as common. Yeah. And I feel like he was a little bit forward thinking, and that worked out really well for us. We had some, some of our best players we've had in the last five years. Jordan Barnett and Cassius Robinson, Drew Smith, you know, those guys worked out really, really well. Yeah, uh, Barnett did come over under Kim Anderson, but... Well, okay. Um, so, let me tell you about... Let me tell you about next year's Missouri Tiger basketball team with Conzo Martin returning. And it's not that bad. 
because we bring in a grad transfer point guard, you know, or a regular transfer. He's got a couple years of eligibility left. We bring in a point guard. He's the in the top three point guards available in the transfer market. Like we got our guy at point guard for next year. Kobe Brown's back. Uh, we know we've got a future star, it seems like, in uh, Trevin Brazil. We've got a bunch of wing players who can do a little bit of everything, nothing exceptionally well, but they're serviceable. Um, Conzo Martin allows Javon Pickett to come back for a COVID year because he just loves the guy. He actually does love the guy. Yeah, we all do, honestly. Yeah. Uh, Pickett comes back, and we've got a point guard. We've got a post player. Maybe maybe we don't worry about whether Anton Brookshire can contribute yet. We don't worry about if Yaya Keita is back from his knee injury. Um, we shorten the bench a little bit. We play with the guys we've got now. Maybe Caleb Brown, this new point guard that I'm talking about. And are we that far off of a bubble, NCAA bubble? I think that is a lot of uh, generous assumptions you're making, but I do think that if... Conzo Martin is here next year somehow. Um, yeah, I think it's going to be a better season than this one, but that's just such a low bar. Uh, I still don't know that we're talking about an NCAA tournament berth, no. Um, yeah, I think we're talking about 15 wins, not still not on the bubble. The uh, imaginary point guard that I'm talking about uh, would have to be God a, a dynamite distributor and to be able to shoot threes and be a lockdown defender we would basically need kennedy chandler to transfer to missouri yeah um we would need one of the top point guards in the country to not go to kentucky or duke or ucla or whoever needs a point guard Mm -hmm. we would need them to come to missouri yeah and we saw last year we tried to get a point guard uh we got drew bugs well, I mean, for this year, we were in on, like, oh, yeah. uh, Brandon McKissick, literally sitting there at UMKC, and he goes to Florida. Yeah, I mean, you can't say Conzo did not try Yeah, in the transfer market. Yeah. I just, part of me wishes he would have just said at the beginning of the year, like, we struck out a little bit on trying to get a point guard transfer, and so we're just going to have to roll with what we have. He didn't really take that stance. He took no. the stance of like, yeah, we're gonna, we've got some guys that can handle the ball a little bit. He's he was talking about how like coachable they were, and yeah. you know, saying this is a, you know, practices are great now because yeah. they all listen to what I say. Yeah, yeah. I wish. Uh, I mean, looking back on it, it's like, yeah, why didn't we realize that they struck out on all the point guards they were in on, and also just like weirdly well, cooled on a couple of them. I feel like you know we kind of threw up some red flags a little bit last you know this time last year and they were landing some transfers like amari davis so we were like this guy doesn't shoot threes yeah uh doesn't handle the ball dewan gordon i still say his name wrong he doesn't shoot threes like none of these guys shoot well like what like we were concerned at the time and maybe kind of like i don't know had our our glasses on and kind of just like i don't know kind of started justifying and hoping and that didn't work out at all yeah, I guess I, I kind of overlooked the three-point shooting a little bit at this point in the season because it legitimately does seem like they adjusted their style of play a bit to just literally shoot fewer threes. Mm-hmm. And 
Um, I don't know. That's workable, I guess. But what's not workable is not having a point guard. If you haven't heard that yet. Yeah. You want more negativity? Hit me with it. Actually, you know what? This can be spun positively. Okay. I think Conzo Martin should be fired this season because I think this is a good season competitive-wise to hire a coach because I think there's not a lot of regional programs um, and programs in the SEC that are better jobs than Missouri that are hiring. And obviously this is speculation right now because we don't know exactly who's going to fire their coach or who what coach is going to move up to a higher level or whatever it is. But, you know, we know for sure uh, Louisville right now is without a coach. Chris Mack is not is not there anymore. I think Louisville's probably a better job than Missouri right now, and they could probably get a better candidate. And probably. definitely will get a better candidate probably than Missouri. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think Florida is a, is a program that could have a change, and obviously they would be a better – that's a better job than Missouri. Yeah, we should be rooting for Florida to win and get to the NCAA tournament. For sure, because they've been a little bit mediocre in their standards the last couple of years, and I definitely think if they miss the tournament this year, I think they, they yeah. fire Mike White. Yeah, we definitely want Florida to retain Mike White. For sure. So, you know, if Florida's not hiring, though, I mean, honestly, though, who are we competing against right now? Louisville, uh, maybe Oklahoma State, probably Nebraska not, brought back Hoiberg. Yeah, Nebraska's, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> uh, I honestly can't think of another school right now that we would p- potentially be going directly against and looking for a coach. Everybody you know, everybody around us is pretty good. <laughs> now, remember, yeah, exactly. Remember uh, whenever we did hire Conzo, Illinois was also hiring a coach. And so that is a direct competition against a rivalry school yep. geographically right next, to each other, right next to each other. Recruiting base, everything. Yes. And... I this is not confirmed at all, but my theory is one reason why Conzo got such a ridiculously just a, an insane contract is because they were in a bidding war mm-hmm. with Illinois potentially because I think Illinois maybe wanted him to, and uh, I definitely think that they used his contract as a way to recruit Conzo Martin in a way, and now we're stuck with this insanely bad contract, uh, and Illinois got the better coach anyway. Yeah, I, and I uh, I was basically on the same page as the university as mizzou yeah in that I, exactly because I, I was not really interested in brad underwood i just i didn't like him honestly even though he had been successful at oklahoma state i liked konzo yeah. and i was terrified of the idea of konzo recruiting chicago and st louis yeah for illinois exactly uh in hindsight maybe shouldn't have worried about that so much probably not but that's what it was at the time. Right. I, I, I'm, I'm, I was right there with you. So, yeah, I mean, Georgia, Georgia. from the SEC, they've got to be moving on from Tom Crean. Maybe Ole Miss. Maybe Ole Miss. And I think Missouri's a better job than both of those places. Yeah. Uh, Georgia, easy. And uh, Georgia is a worse job now than it was when they hired Crean. Might be. Because... I think a coach looking at that situation is like Tom Green. I I feel like and the SEC is a lot better now. Yeah, and a coach is probably gonna think Tom Green's a decent coach, and he was not able to do anything there except get uh, Anthony Edwards, but right. which didn't work out right that well. Yeah, worked out for Edwards. He's doing yeah, fine. That's true. That's just another example of it doesn't matter where you go if you are gonna be able to play in the NBA. Yes, you play in the NBA. Not what this episode's about, but I one hundred percent agree. Yeah. Um. 
so hiring competition yeah uh seems like missouri would be set up pretty well yeah i mean 100 percent. i think this is a the perfect year to enter the coaching market and try and find sh- you know shoot your shot yeah. try see who's out there sean miller i don't know like we're going to talk about that probably next week like who do we look to yeah. but i mean this is the year to do it in my yeah. opinion i agree with you um there's no the only thing um one thing i wanted to mention was like obviously we're not gonna know the the university is not gonna make this move without knowing they have a decent shot at somebody i don't think i think they'll retain Conzo for another season if they are kind of feeling out the coaching market and nobody's receptive nobody's agents are receptive i can't imagine that happening but the, the but that's a something i could that's a low percentage right but that's something sure. that we're not necessarily going to know yeah. ahead of time yeah and so if you're making the calls yeah which if, that's probably happening right now yeah. yeah so if you're feeling things out with uh there's no reason for a agent though an agent's going to say like oh yeah we might be interested just to yeah, you're going to answer the phone call yeah, every time just to get their guy uh an extension wherever they already are even right. if they have no intention of leaving but yeah, I, I do think that there's just more coaches I, I'd be happy with than schools that will be looking to hire in relative competition to Missouri. Yeah, and something that we've touched on before in previous episodes, but uh, when Missouri hired Gonzo Martin, he was one of he was considered one of the better coaches in the SEC. Like on day Highest one. paid. Well, yeah. When he, like, game one of him coaching in the sec he was if you would have like looked up like i don't know some sec website that covers the league you would see like <laughs> ranking the coaches he would have been in the top half oh yeah for sure and that is not true today and it's not necessarily because i mean obviously it's his team's performances but the sec has had a run it's on firepower really good coaches coming into the conference and the way we've seen coaches that are dynamite at a mid-major school make the jump to a power five conference and just completely turn a team around um in one or two seasons like we've seen that in the sec look at iowa state look at iowa state um look at wake forest like those are all great coaches yeah yeah and the caliber of coach in the sec has improved drastically since conzo was hired at missouri and i don't i mean just to kind of I was playing devil's advocate a little bit earlier talking about the what kind of coaches might be out there and if they would be receptive, but there's so many mid-major coaches and they're not all sitting waiting for, you know, the UCLA job, the yeah. Michigan State job, the North Carolina job. They're right. not all doing that. No, definitely not. Yeah, I mean that I mean that's a huge jump from a mid-major to Michigan State or something like yeah. that. Yeah, that's not a realistic jump typically. Yeah. And if you want if you want to stepping stone your way to a job like that, sure come on through Columbia as long as you're winning yeah I don't care yeah um I just think that you know this is probably like one of the last points I guess I have uh in favor of firing coach but just the the competition I think this is the year to do it but uh really my final thing is just the complete apathy for the program right now from the fan base and lack of support uh as far as like attendance goes at games and uh 
just just general apathy like you know we're awful and nobody really cares and i think just genuinely like 90 percent of missouri basketball fans or more like we just are ready for are ready to move on and yeah. you know i think we all we've heard it a thousand times like we all like Conzo martin but it's time to make a change it's time for something different this is clearly like we've seen enough at this point to know i just it's just not going to work out here i don't think and except for you know like maybe one one in every three or four seasons will be decent but i just think that we deserve better than that and missouri is a better program than that and this is a perfect opportunity for the new ad to come in and make a bold change and get the fan base behind her and give the fan base something to be excited about I know we would be excited about that. Yeah. Like, I mean, you don't want to see somebody get fired, but Conzo Martin has, he's got plenty of money. Yeah. He'll get paid $6 million to go away. He'll right. be fine. And uh, give us something to be excited about for the future. Cause that just doesn't exist right now. If you bring him back, I just, I you mean, think that arena is empty now? Like, because it's, it is the same roster or exactly. worse it's next year. It's the same same coach, same roster that we just had like a historically terrible season with. You're going to bring them all back. I just, I don't know. Yeah. That's not great. No. Um, you're talking about kind of like a program prestige a little bit. And like when, when you're competing uh, for other jobs or competing with uh, other schools for coaches. Um, Kim Palm actually has a program ratings oh, list. Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. So, uh, is this like current, uh, performance, but also historical yes. relevance? So it's taking into account seasons from 1997 to us. now. And, uh, it basically looks at like your highest peak, your lowest low in Kim Palm rating. And, um, like how many times you've been in the top 50, top 25, top 10, and then also tournament success. Mm -hmm. So not exactly an, a data analytical point, but literally just like how many championships have you had? How many Final Fours? How many mm -hmm. uh, Sweet Sixteen? Stuff like that. Missouri Tigers coming in at number 51, which, I mean, before, I would love to be able to like edit this data and see like up until 2015. Yeah. I feel like honestly, we're probably flirting with top 25 all time or like in that span, 97 to 2015, we're probably in the top 25 and yeah, the last like seven or eight years have been pretty rough Yeah, from a historical point of view. But uh, there's a huge group of teams that like their peak is like top 10 or top five nationally. And their lowest point is like flirting with the 200s in Kimpom. I mean, there's a lot of coach turnover. There's yeah, a lot, a lot of variance. You make the wrong hire, and you're down for the count for three seasons. <laughs> That's crazy how much a coaching decision can influence you for years to come. Like one person. Some of the schools on either side of Missouri on this list are on uh, 47th is Arkansas 50th is Washington Missouri 51 uh, Minnesota 52 Mississippi State 53 Auburn 54 hmm. so that I mean just Auburn you hire the yeah. right coach exactly. and boom 
you hire a coach that cheats, you're you're good immediately. Cheating, what we used to call cheating, is basically legal now. Yeah, come on down, Sean Miller. Yeah. So yeah, if you're looking at coaches, uh, where, at least my personal philosophy, when thinking about potential coaches who have had like run-ins with the NCAA, maybe even suspended for various reasons, like if you were giving college athletes money, don't care. Yeah. Come to Columbia, Missouri yeah. as soon as possible. If your cheating means better opportunities for the students, I do not care. Yeah. And also if you already are pretty good at getting players money and now it's legal to do so, you're probably going to be even better at it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if you see how good you can do now. Yeah. Um, if you uh, have been in trouble because you were abusive towards players, no, thank you. Yeah. I'll pass. Thank you, uh, Greg Marshall. Uh, yeah. Not this time. Yeah. So, yeah, we will. Um, I almost feel like we're late to the game on this conversation. That's how uh, over it the Missouri fan base is. Yeah. Like ev- every Mizzou fan that has a Twitter account has tweeted their <laughs> list of coaches that they want yeah. Missouri to hire. And there's still two games left in the regular season. Yeah, basically everything we just unloaded in this episode, I mean, we've kind of been sitting on for a while. I mean, just all these thoughts, all these complaints, um, and things have honestly actually just gotten worse like the longer the season goes on and just more apathy has piled on. And I I just, I don't know, man. Like, I don't know what the conversations are behind the scenes. I know the financials are a little, a little weird, and hopefully – they're able to find some some private funding for a buyout. I have n- I don't know how any of that works to be honest. Like I don't know what that it's going to look like. I don't know how confident they feel in in being able to find those funds. But if there is any remote chance they can, they got to pull the trigger. Well, and you're potentially needing to buy out the coach that you're hiring exactly. from his current school. Yeah. Um and and you got to pay him. Yep. But the good news on that front is if you compare Conzo's salary to some of the mid-major guys that are tearing it up and are yep. ready to move up to the next level, mm-hmm. I mean, we could easily double some guys' salaries. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Missouri just made like $77 million from the SEC this past year. Like, where's that money going? Like, surely we can afford – like, you want – I mean, no offense to some of the other sports, but football and men's basketball are where you make your money. Yeah. in the athletic department and you have to pay somebody to be good and you'll make your money back if you can like create some excitement in the program and get people to show up pay players pay coaches pay fans to attend games if you have to yeah pay fans yeah oh yeah, yeah. make actually yeah make the tickets like we will give you 30 dollars a ticket if you show up <laughs> that might not be enough <laughs> for the last game of the season this year probably not yeah they'd have to we'd have to pay for gas so So, uh, just thinking out loud uh like we're gonna do an episode on thursday just to kind of catch back up apologies for such a big gap uh in recording and publishing but i don't know it's kind of interesting it's weird to be in this position i don't think we're like uh you know swaying too many people here or like no everyone's decision has been made and we're definitely nobody from the administration is listening to this and going i wonder what kyle and cameron think about this whole thing (laughs) but it it it, i I, maybe i do feel like i don't know it does feel weird to actually start talking about 
potential new coaches. Yeah, I mean, literally, uh, this whole thing could kickstart in a week, a week and a half. I mean, two weeks maybe. Like, yeah. it's this is gonna go fast. Yeah. Once it kind of starts that, when when the dominoes start falling. Yeah. And it does seem almost surreal to feel like we could be at the end of the uh, at the end of the road for Conzo yeah. at Missouri. We'll have to think and, and decide how uh, when we're gonna bring names to the table because. We just made our case. Well, obviously, uh, we think it's in the best interest of the basketball program to move on yeah. from Conzo. And it is a shame because it's honestly very similar to uh, Barry Odom's situation Yeah, where we wanted nothing more than for him to be successful at Missouri. And um, and it was it was sad seeing Barry go. Like, I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't know how I felt about it when they yeah. fired him. And obviously, I think it's going to end up working out just fine for probably all parties involved. But yeah. Yeah, it's like it is a it's a different situation that he was definitely uh, an up and comer, uh, you know, in the head coaching game, and obviously we moved a little quicker than we should have probably in hindsight with Barry Odom. Conzo's uh, situation is completely different, where he's a right. coaching veteran, he's been yeah. a head coach multiple times, different stops. Yep, um, he'll be totally fine no matter what. He's he I, I don't even know. It's not even a foregone conclusion that he would want to keep coaching more i'm not saying right. that his no, career yeah. is over but i fully agree i think there was no chance that barry odom was not going to keep coaching right yeah and i would say there's a non-zero chance that konzo is not coaching anymore I agree. Oh, well, why was he why would he need to yeah he's yeah. i mean obviously he must enjoy it but um okay so um we've decided that we would fire konzo martin if we were the athletic director um, give me your confidence on a scale of one to 10 on how good you would feel about that. 10 being like, I'm sure this is the best decision to make one. I'm not really sure if I, how I feel. Um, and then tell me how confident you are on a scale of one to 10 that, uh, they will fire him in act in real life. Like 10 being for sure they're going to fire him. Are you telling me we are not the athletic director and we're not actually making this decision well we were during the episode but now we like entered into the realm of like we're not anymore fading out of that back to reality okay yeah um if i'm making the decision and i make the decision to mutually part ways uh then i'm probably at a 7.9 confidence level that that was the right that that's the right thing to do now i'm i'm differentiating differentiating that a little bit in my head from like what needs to be done right like i it's like 10 out of 10 you got to do it if i'm in that position but am i like so positive that it's 100 percent the right decision long term not necessarily i mean you just never know what a what a new coach is going to do i I mean i'm almost glad that we weren't recording this podcast when konzo was hired because somebody could go back and make me look dumb <laughs> oh my for God. how much of a home run higher I thought that was at the time. True. And so I could very easily think that about another coach and be proven wrong again. Yeah, it probably will happen. Yeah. Okay. And now tell me what do you think is going to happen in real life? The, um, the thing that makes it makes me think they will move on is, um, the athletic director, Reed Francois, she is going to these home games. She is attending these home games in real life, in person, and seeing a dead arena, like almost every night. 
that they play at home, especially if they're playing uh, just a, you know a so-so conference opponent on a weekday yeah. night. And and in her career, she's fired coaches before. Yeah, and she has seen. She's made really good hires before. She as well. has. She's seen what happens when you make a good hire. Yeah. Um. So. All the basketball stuff, all the roster building stuff, everything that we've talked about, um, I legitimately could see them. Whoever is involved in making this decision, I don't know if it's a one-person thing uh, or how much influence other people have, but I could see... What was the original question again? How confident am I that they actually make that choice? Yes, uh, 10, 10 out of 10 means they're 100% firing him. One, you're not sure. like they, You think they're going to keep him. Just basketball stuff? Uh, roster creation and all that kind of stuff, I would only put it at like a five confidence that they make it happen, that they pull the trigger. But there's no way it's less than a seven out of 10 that they fire him when they are in that arena and seeing that environment and seeing how checked out the fan base is. Yeah. Like I would, I would hope that it's even higher than that. Yeah. But that, if you would ask me that question, I would have said seven. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think they're gonna fire him, but there's there's something in me that feels like, it just with the financial situation, with the financial situation and how clean of a program he runs, and like how easy he is probably to work with, and in some ways, uh, I something kind of scares me and makes me think that they just are gonna try one more year and try to try to keep this roster together and and run it back and see what happens and see if they can develop some of those guys and stuff. And I just, I think that would be really bad for the, for the program, at least in the short term, probably. But I don't think that's impossible that they do that. Yeah, I agree with you. And if they do, if they go that route and they bring them back, please, please prove us wrong. Yeah. Like, yeah, I I would, yeah. Play this episode back in our faces. Yeah. When Conzo takes the team to a final four, four years from now, whatever happens, like that would you i would not i would be the happiest person yes exactly we all want missouri to be good and i think that if somehow uh he, he comes back next year or you know in over the course of the next two three seasons we end up turning things around miraculously i'm sure everybody would agree with you that yeah. like we would have obviously wanted that outcome and we would change our tune if that happened but we I wouldn't think, be the only ones i just think that's not gonna happen no I agree. And uh, if we had had a little bit more recruiting success over the years. Yeah. if we, There's just not much to argue in favor of him right now. And uh, I know we are at like the bottom of the bottom of his five-year career right now. And everything seems awful. But, you know, it's just tough. To, and I feel like we're honestly like we were one of the last. We were pretty late to like want Conzo to be gone and stuff. And I feel like we're pretty, we've been pretty reasonable and patient. But... There's just not much to argue in favor of keeping him right now. Yeah, I agree. And uh, one thing that some people have talked about on Twitter that I don't think will make a difference at all is uh, Reed Francois' son uh, joining the team next year. Like that's a as legitimate. A, as a walk-on. Yeah, that's yeah. a legitimate thing I've seen. Like, yeah. Well, he's got a spot for her son to be on the team. It's like, I'm sure wh- he can be a walk-on with somebody yeah, else. Yeah. What coach is not going to have a walk-on spot for the AD's son? If you were the he's coach. bringing his walk-ons, dude. He's bringing his walk-ons from his previous stop. Okay, so that's actually one more thing in like f- for getting rid of Conzo is with the way the transfer portal works nowadays. 
like there's a decent chance that a new coach brings a guy or two yeah that he was either that was either on his yep. previous roster or that he was recruiting yep and uh we could use a little bit of a talent influx i again i've said this multiple times the guys we have it is first of all not their fault that the team is not that great they did not choose to start the season without a point guard <laughs> and yep. they went to the best situation they could get last year in the transfer portal i don't blame them at all for that and i don't think i don't think they have quit no on on each other this yep. year and i think yeah, that does like speak a little bit to Conzo's coaching yeah. honestly I like the guys they they seem to get along and they seem like like good guys but yeah I mean at some point it doesn't really matter that much so if you're out there and you really think they should bring him back we are legitimately open to hearing what you have to say um I don't see a lot of that on Twitter um no <laughs> so those people are I know they're out there yeah they're pretty quiet right now yeah understandably but yeah. uh you know you, you let us know what you think yeah, I, I'm, don't not be gonna, afraid. I'm not gonna make fun of you i promise in the in the youtube comments <laughs> kyle might make fun of you on twitter no i no promises there that's true i'll be nice to you on youtube <laughs> um anything else i'll probably think of something like 10 minutes from now i'll be like how did we not say that well we'll but be right back here on thursday that's true so anything we missed yeah, I mean, this is probably going on like an hour and a half now, so we really we laid it out, I think, pretty pretty cut and dry on what we think. I'm not gonna lie to anybody, coaching search would be pretty fun. That'd be really fun. I would love I would love to go through that. That's that's an exciting time for fans. There's a silver lining when you're bad enough that you have to move on from your current coach. At least you get there's yes the I, endless possibilities. I've that come always with a talked search. about hope in sports, and that you like every sports fan wants to just have hope for the future and that's a great way to give people hope is all the endless possibilities of a new coach man to, to come all the way back around full circle uh kyle just you know you're a big star wars fan yeah and that's what it's all about that new hope yeah, yeah. you just got to give them hope that's right wow well that i think we should end it right there yeah beautiful moment Special thank you to our Patreon supporters at the $10 level and above. Britt Trees, Brian Smith, Ryan Lee, Tristan, Ben Smith, Parker, Daddy JD, Louis Hernandez, Tim Keens, and Tyler Harsel. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen. You give me hope for the future. And uh, you can find this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. We're on Twitter, at Mizzou Sports Pod. And you can email us, of course, at uh, MissouriSportsPod at gmail.com. You can find our t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, MissouriSportsPod.BigCartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We will see you next week.